0: Next and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel.
1: This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Vanderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Car Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Number 48 in the 50 most relevant. Hello, you've got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and you've been enjoying these first few days of episodes and articles if you haven't checked them out well coachespanel.tv is the website you can do that or you can just go back to whatever platform you're listening to this bad boy on go back and listen to the two other players we have already revealed in at number 48 a bit of a controversial one maybe for some for some you shouldn't be in the 50 for others they're like MJ you saw his end of the year, right? What the freak is he doing down at 48? We will talk about that in a moment. Joining me on this episode, fellow coaches, panellists. I've got Kane back. Hello,
0: mate. Hello, MJ. This is a player that if there was a stock on Luke McDonald in fantasy in the last probably 18 months, mm. it would be the biggest roller coaster you have ever seen. It was an all-time low. Like I'm talking, I was in a couple of leagues where he was the last pick in a you know, at pick 360 of a keeper redraft when there was already another 200 players off the board. Like, he was going undrafted in leagues. And by the end of the season, you were staring at arguably the most informed defender in fantasy up there with the Lloyds, the Lairds. And obviously, he'll now be competing with Whitfield this year as well. So...
1: It's huge. um, We'll talk about draft in a second. Like, when I'm in a second, I mean like 12 minutes. But his average draft position in AFL Fantasy last year was 287. And he only got drafted in 14% of teams. That's the kind of value, like that's Premiership winning value he delivered for coaches last year. That's
0: that's the last round in pretty much every fresh league. Yep. And as you said, if he even got picked.
1: If he even got picked. 14% of leagues drafted him last year. And so he was a huge waiver wire pickup for you uh, last year. He's still only just the 25 years old, and last year his highest score was a 123 against Melbourne in AFL fantasy and dream team, which by the way is not an adjusted score. That is what he delivered. You can times that by 1.25 like our friends at AFL Fantasy have done, and that is what he would have delivered. Uh, using some mathematics for you there. In Supercoach, his top score was a 144 in Supercoach. That is his career-highest Supercoach score. But in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, his career-highest score not a adjusted score, is 133. That was back in 2018 against the Brisbane Lions. You are going to look at his average last year in Dream Team and Fantasy. It was a 72.5, but that's adjusted in AFL Fantasy, which, as we talked about a few days ago, uh, AFL Fantasy have priced guys at an adjusted average, which is their 2020 average times 1.25. So in AFL Fantasy, that's an average just over 90, while it's 72.5 in Dream Team. In Supercoach, he's going to be priced in at that average of 95.4, which by the way ends up to being him priced at just over 510,000, just shy of 700k in AFL Fantasy and just under $670,000. While a lot went wrong for North Melbourne last year, Kane, we won't talk about his fantasy numbers just yet, but in a general leadership uh, sense, in an influence on game sense, and ultimately how the club viewed him, even in a turbulent year, Luke McDonald, really in that back two-thirds of the year, Sean is really the only shining star for North Melbourne last year.
0: Yeah, well, he won the best and fairest, MJ, so... Internally, you don't get a higher honor than, you know, at North Melbourne winning the Sid Barker medal. So that was incredible. And if you actually looked into the other awards they gave out, Luke McDonald nearly swept every award that he was eligible for. Best teammate, best clubman, all this sort of stuff, which, you know, speaks really highly of his character and how he's viewed inside those four walls. So, again, it's a career year across the board. Fantasy internally, you know, growth. Again, it's tough being a father-son. Yeah. especially a father-son that's played straight away and also spent his last junior season training with the club. So like you said, it feels like Luke McDonald's been around for ages Yeah, and he's been around the club for ages. Obviously he's, he's been there since he was a little kid, but um, he started showing that leadership. He started becoming, and as we talk about this a lot in fantasy, because I think it is that important is it's not just about the fantasy. It's about being a good player. Yeah, And we know that if you're a good player, and you get a good role, that's when you get these big hits. And Luke McDonald, you know, it's interesting. He started the year as a defender and it was locked down. It was, you've got the Toby Greens, you've got these type of roles, you know, defend, defend, defend. And then we saw him move into that midfield role. And he obviously did a great job on Marcus Bontempelli. And he did that for a few weeks, but it was when he got that role back to the defense after that, after tagging for a few weeks, he went back in round eight and, Again, you read out those numbers that he averaged in their career year. But when we take that sample size from the last eight games, he went at, and I want to adjust this from DT. he went at 110 in DT
1: yeah. and
0: 118 in Super Coach.
1: Huge.
0: And it was those things combined. It was defend first. He did have that responsibility. Yes. But he became the outlet in defense, either taking the kickouts and getting those great free points we love as fantasy coaches. Yeah. Or that short kick to the pocket came back. he got that mark as well. So he became that primary distributor. They wanted the ball in his hands. And he actually did a good job of getting it out of defense. He was that cool head when a lot of other players looked really unsettled. Again, the ball was in there a lot. We know it wasn't North Melbourne's year. But he was really composed. And he showed that leadership. He wanted the ball. He wanted to get them out of these situations. And it's reflected in that score. 110, MJ. As a mid, you are stoked with that. If you're yeah. a 110, we know that's a different tier of player. Not many players do it every year. And Luke McDonald was doing it from defence, and there was three scores in there that were pretty much DT 150 plus scores.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, he, you could, could you imagine if some of Luke McDonald's defensive chains actually led to scores? If North Melbourne could actually put points on the board, no wonder those. You know, again, it's still a great average. It's 118 of those eight games, but. You start getting a bit of help from people around you. He could have been easily in the mid-120s in that stretch. What he was actually doing from a numbers point of view. The concern is we know it's been a full changing of the guard at North Melbourne. Reeshaw's gone out, David Noble's come in. You know, we've heard so much about how the list has turned over, you know, double-digit players out, new players in, whether that be from the AFL or obviously they had a, you know a really big hand in the draft and they grab some players, yeah. not in the defensive line per no, se no. in the draft, obviously in the engine room, but you know, you've still got to fit them in. And I always do worry when you've got a guy that internally with Reese Short at the helm yeah. was the best in fairness, the club and all those great awards I mentioned, and you bring a new coach in, you know, the best you can hope for is that he's viewed in the same light by that new coach and that yeah. new coaching staff. And um, from personally, the philosophy of how they move the ball cannot suit Luke McDonald any more than it did in the latter part of 2020. Everything went his way, yeah. Everything went his way. Again, the ball was in his hands at all costs. And again, the scoring reflects that. So I don't think we can bank... And we talked about this a lot last year, MJ, with Doherty. We said when Doherty had this big year, Carlton was in a position where they needed Doherty because he was the only real guy they had confidence in moving the ball. And we spoke about... You know, when you've got Newman, when you've got Doherty, when you've got Petreski-Seaton, when you've got Wiedering, who's confident ball in yeah. hand, and you've got, like, does, do they need that same... Cade Simpson, obviously, as well. Do they Back need then, yeah. that reliance? And we saw this year that, really, when Carlton got going, they didn't need that. And it wasn't so much that Doherty is a poor player. He's still had no. a good season. Just didn't but need he was, to be he that, was, that guy. He was scaling those heights that were, we'd never seen from a defender. You know, yeah. 120 and, and 110 in the format's. And that's sort of what I think about Luke McDonald is there's value baked in because he was so poor in a fantasy perspective, those first seven rounds. He went at basically 63 across both formats. Yeah. So you've got some built-in value. Like he's not priced at 110. He's priced at 90 and 95. But I just feel like to hope for that game style to continue and Luke McDonald to be the beneficiary would be wishful thinking.
1: Yeah, I think that's the real challenge for coaches. The the good thing too, like if you want to keep being the optimist when it comes to Luke McDonald, 2020 is not the only year that he's delivered anything from a fantasy perspective. So it's not like as a coach, you go, okay, it was one year. They only had him as the option outlet. The ball was down there back a lot, played a couple of nice games through the midfield, yada, yada, yada. That explains why Luke McDonald was there and he won't be doing it again. But look at 2017. I know it's a few years gap. But they've had a, a number of coaching changes now. I think it's a three coaching changes in pretty much the last handful of years. But in 2017, he averaged 85.5 in Dream Team and uh, just over 85 in Dream Team and Fantasy. Five tons, an additional five scores between 90 and 99. In Supercoach, an average of 83. Four tons, and an additional four scores between 90 and 99. Are they what he delivered last year? No, they're not. It's about 10 to 15 to 20 points off what he did but it's also not what he delivered in the seasons prior before that because if you just look at what he did last year you see that 95 in supercoach you see that 72 in dream team which is adjusted up to that 90 the year before he's pretty much jumped 25 to 30 points in average so that's a big pop but it's not a pop that's come out of nowhere It's not a scoring that we haven't seen before. You go through that 2017 season and there's some big scores that are through there. Even his debut year in 2014, he averaged mid-60s as a first-year player. This 2017 season, his top four scores in that year were one... 17, a 113, a 106 and a 105 in Dream Team and Fantasy and super Coach, a 112, a 103, a 109, a 102. So again, this is not an isolated incident of a season and that's all he's done. We know
0: what he can do. And MJ, sometimes players just work it out. Sometimes players just work out the AFL system. Again, like you said, Luke McDonald is 25 years old now. You know, he's been in the competition... That was his seventh point. season. Yeah. Like he's actually, you know, players do improve just because they've done that in the past doesn't mean they're stuck there or conversely, doesn't mean they'll get back. You know, there is career years for a reason. But it feels like I don't see Luke McDonald plummeting back again. I don't see that being...
1: The 50s and 60s, yeah.
0: The 50s and 60s again. Now, the hard thing is we all love second half of the year form, especially... Yeah. When it's a big difference, and we're yes. talking about a 20 point difference from what they're priced at, like, yeah, we know as fantasy coaches that's a stat that served us really well, yes, at predicting breakouts in the future. Like, I think back to Toby McLean's big year, yeah, we saw that role, the Dunkley had, had a similar yeah. one, like, it happens a lot across a lot of different lines. Yep, the hard thing I, as I said, I see there is that the role is was so perfect, so good from a from a philosophy point of view from the teammates around him and you just worry that any disruption to that what does it bring it back to yeah and as i said if it brings it back to even what he averaged last year which is still a great year if you're a 90 and a 95 it's very good that's good i just find it hard to get a read on the value yeah as i I said and
1: again the it's all about the preseason and that's where it gets difficult because you talk about that role, you talk about that game style, you talk about that list turnover and they're both positive and negatives um, depending on how you want to view them. What gets me nervous about Luke McDonald as a starting squad option, which honestly in dream team and super coach, I can't do. And I'll explain why AFL fantasy. I'm open to, I probably won't, but I'm open to it is this preseason form and preseason games are really, really difficult to get a read on how coaches are actually genuinely going to play. They're actually trying to sell hope. They're trying to sell ball movement. They're trying to sell quick movement of play. They're trying to sell spread. They're not going to have that high possession, slow ball movement and you know, changing from wing to wing um, or from defensive 50 flank to defensive 50 flank. You're not going to see that in the preseason games. You're going to see teams trialing and experimenting and making sure... Our ball movement, is it there? Is our link-up play, is it there? our forwards and our mids and our backs? Are we all in a synergy, making sure we're right for round one? And so for that reason, in Dream Team and Super Coach, at his price, where his value, he needs to deliver that 90-95. Otherwise, you're burning. Even if he goes 85, we've got some amazing top-tier defenders, and we're going to talk about a bunch of them through the 50 most relevant, that if he only goes an 85, in AFL Fantasy, and if he only goes a 90 in super Coach, which is still good, he could be giving up 10 points per game comfortably. Again, over three or four weeks, no problem. Over a whole year, if you pick him over, let me pick another name, just randomly off the hat. Jordan Ridley, who also had a breakout year last year. And Ridley continues and develops and McDonald doesn't. That's why I can't start him because he has to deliver and I need everything to go right and I can't have confidence before round one. So upgrade target, absolutely. AFL fantasy, a little bit more of a free hit. Pick what your margin is about rolling points over the first fortnight. And if he doesn't deliver, you go and find yourself the breakout player. You go and get a Zach Williams if you didn't want to get him before. You go and get whoever it is that you want. So it's easier to pivot and move away. But in dream team and super coach, I can't start him. Even if I see the role in the preseason, I have zero confidence I want to see it in season and I'll happily upgrade and pay a little bit extra if I need to.
0: Yeah, you're trying to catch lightning in the bottle to start the season, aren't you, MJ? You want to get you're yeah. hoping that you'll hit that ceiling and you'll drop Again. a one, a 120 plus or even a couple of them. And then ideally by that point, either the whole the whole competition's scrambling to get him in. Yep. Because they think he's a runaway train and you've already got him, and then you're just staying one. Might move ahead of the pack. Again, the flip side is, and it's funny how we see it in the early rounds. What tends to happen is that, yeah, coaches want to show that we're playing this attacking game style, we're moving the ball this way. And also, and and also we also see teams now have locked in. You know, I we're playing North Melbourne, you know, we're Port Adelaide. we're playing North Melbourne in round one. Clearly, last year, Luke McDonald was a key factor by their estimations. He was their best player. Yeah, he was their best and fairest winner, and it's funny we saw that with Jake Lloyd. The only poor game Lloyd had by his students was round one, mm. when they've spent all preseason focusing on the working, game. focusing on that guy. You know, whereas when you get into the season, you don't have that type of time. You're you know, you pretty much so got to do you know, your thing. Yeah. So you do get some odd things in the early parts of the season, and it's funny that a lot of these big scoring runs from these type of players do come in the back half of the year where the sting's out of the game a little bit. the the pressure for
1: finals is gone.
0: Exactly. It's, it's funny how those sort of scoring trends in yeah. that position, in the back line, tend to happen like that. So, again, when I'm thinking about a coach that might select him, what they're hoping for, I think they're hoping for that end. They're hoping for 110.
1: Well, you have to get it if you're starting.
0: Because you that's to. where are, you have to think that you're going to just get away and then people are going to be scrambling and they have to make the call on do I chase him now? Or do I just hope he comes back to earth? Yeah, and that's and that's the thing you're wrestling with. And like you said, it's a good backline. We spoke about a good forward line in the Jeremy Cameron podcast. Mm. It's a good backline. It's another it's another really strong part of the ground. We haven't where... really
1: lost anything, and we've added Lockie Whitfield.
0: Yeah, um, who's we know who is an He's absolute above weapon. him in
1: my ranks. Lockie Whitfield mm. is clearly above him, and so even just off that, he's taken a hit in round twelve. Where his buy is, look, I think that makes him a nice upgrade point there. So maybe you're going to run a stepping stone, um, you know, from a Brisbane for an example, or you know, one of the Crows. Maybe it's a Wayne Millerer, you know, just picking a random name who's an underpriced defender at round 14, and you run him up. The only other defenders that you really got to worry about through that early buy round, probably Tom Stewart from Geelong, Nick Haynes um, from GWS. Look, if Sicily was playing, he'd certainly sit into that category, but he's not going to do that. Gold Coast don't really have any premium defenders that you're considering. Maybe it's a Bose, and then it's Port Adelaide. And so a Darcy Byrne-Jones, certainly probably a couple of tiers below. Yeah, exactly. uh, Kind of sitting through there. So that's why for me, I go, look, I feel really confident to put him as an upgrade candidate post-buy. I might get hurt with a couple of big pops, but everything about it, for me, feels like it is the smarter move to to see it again. And if I have to overpay for him, quote unquote, fine. I'd rather have that pain than start him and be wrong. And while, yes, you can move him on after a couple of weeks, the more weeks you spend sideways trading and have multiples of these types of guys, the more catch up you play during the year, the more chance you have of never winning it.
0: Yeah, I think he's this. He's made the list, MJ purely because we've seen, and he has displayed for an extended period of time, half sure. a season last year, that he is a genuine candidate to challenge Jake Lloyd, whitfield Laird for the top defender position, not just 100%. the top six. So that's why I think it gets him because we have seen it. Yep. And for all we know, you know, David Noble and the new team could think. That's the best way to use Luke McDonald. Yeah, he's clearly comfortable in that role. He clearly thrives in that role. So on, it is possible. Yes. Again, it seems unlikely to me, but we have to respect the fact that that's why he's on this list at all. Is that he can do it and he can do it for an extended period of time. And he was a player last year that if you got on him, he separated you. He seriously brought you back into the pack. And in league matchups, he you know he hurt you big time. I think the one that's really fascinating is draft though, MJ, yeah. because we know with defenders, we've spoken about it so many times year on year, is there's always these tier of defenders, and I put the Jack Crisps and the Tom Stewart are probably our key guys in this area.
1: Yeah, Ryans, Daniel
0: So rock solid.
1: Yeah.
0: Rock solid in durability for the most part, especially Crisp. It's it's unrivaled it's how consistent he is. 100%. But the burn factor with those guys is so small. Their window of scoring is 85 to 95 chris maybe has that extra bit of upside yeah sure the, sorry the one thing i do want to touch on too with mcdonald that always gives me concern is when a player takes over full kick out duties even losing 10 20 30 percent of that yep that's points going out the other way like that's a concern and we know that aiden core who somehow that you know somehow he, got GWS. Us, he had that duty and he's you know he may get it again at North Melbourne, but when you are the sole kick taker like McDonald had in that big run,
1: everything when he's as
0: won. I said, anything that takes away from that, even if it's two or three a game. It's two.
1: That's six points away from the sure, it, it can be
0: exactly. So, you know, that's always something that I look at, especially with those defenders is, are they taking that? Is that another available scoring source yeah, for yeah. them? And as I said, he already acquired that, which just makes it extra bit more difficult. But yeah, in draft, MJ... We know that Luke McDonald's range of outcome, you could argue, could be 50 points. (laughs) If you really want to take it to the extremes, what are we doing? Like we said
1: at the top of the episode, he was 14% drafted in AFL in ultimate footy drafts. I think in a keeper league, before we get to a single season, I think in a keeper league, if you're an owner, you can build a a narrative and a story around why you're going to trade him. Like that's believable. But I think more than likely, you're probably double downing on him and you're probably going to keep him at this point. Unless it can net you one of those clear, bankable, safe, top tier guys, then you're probably going, you know what? I could be trading away someone that, unless it's probably a Lloyd or a Led or a Whitfield, even even a Crisp. like you're probably going, I might just hedge my bets here and hope that he's going to get even near it again, rather than trading out for somewhere else. Because at his best, He's as good as those guys. So that's the concern I, in a keeper league I'd probably hold.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. MJ. I think there was a window last year, and the window was very clear. It was whenever your window was to trade, which yeah. was probably around you know, 10, 11, 12. So the, the Luke McDonald steamroll was well and truly on by then. Mm. You were, tr- and If you were a coach that wasn't going to make finals, that was, when you that was your team chance team to cash in. Because now... We've seen the coaching change. We've seen the list change. There is enough concern in the air that I don't think there's many coaches in leagues that go, I "That's the one ten guy. That's yeah. the one ten guy I want." Um, again, if you find a coach that believes that, and you don't, and you don't, you might better net some value. But I, I feel like now, in a trade, you're not going to really get what you want for him. You know, no. you're probably going to get a fellow eighty-five back. Like for me you know, a Jaden Short type's gone past him. You know, people yeah. would feel in value sake that, you know, this guy's on the up enough with Basha Hooley out and there's a path for the lot, for Short. Whereas, Luke McDonald, I think there's still that concern that if this thing shifts back and he plays a different role... He's gone back to a 70s guy, yeah. So I think, again, I think you, you have to hold unless someone's really giving you something well and truly over because I think your hope is that he settles in this role... He's an 85 to 95 defender year on year. Yeah. He's flirting with that D1. He's a D2, but he's a really solid asset to build around great age in a keeper. Um, but as I said, I don't think you've missed your window. You had that chance if you're out of the mix.
1: Yeah. And if you're like in the some, mix, you know, yeah. he might have even and if in the mix you flag. flag.
0: Exactly. You would have kept him. There's no point moving him no, on. No. He was about as if you were, if you had to redraft, uh, if you had to do a draft at, you know, round 12, MJ. He's going in the first five picks. That's how good he was in the he run was home. Flying on the he home. was so far and away better than so many defenders. Yeah. Like he was He was that valuable of an asset. So that time's passed. You know, people are starting to think, geez, is that repeatable? So, yeah, unless someone's giving you a play that you think is, you know, 95 comfortably in defense or 100 plus in the midfield no and gonna, so on. Yeah. It's just – Again, they'd have to be really strong on it. And again, personally, I'm I'm not. But yeah, I'm not that single either. season. Again, I can see him MJ. Well, I having think if another you want huge him... range. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I think if you want him, you probably have to pick him as a D one. Yeah.
0: Because
1: I'd 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 be okay with picking him as a D two. If I've got one of those other guys ahead of him, I I don't think the risk feels as wrong. If I've secured a crisp, a Daniel, a Ryan, a Stewart. So I'm not even talking about the big top three of Whitfield, Laird and Lloyd, even just that kind of that next grouping down. If I've got one of them and I then find a way to Jag McDonald, I feel okay. Cause I think at best I get a D one. I think at worst he, he probably slides to a D four. Um, I don't think there's a world and it is a possibility, but I, I I don't think there's a world where he moves off your on field scoring. Um, I don't see him moving back to a complete lockdown defender. They're going to need that dependency and experience to some extent, to deliver, Yes, they've got in Terrence still around. They're going to need him and that leadership and that confidence with ball in hand. But there will be, depending on the quality of your league coaches, there will be someone that picks him as a D1 and probably gets him inside the first five or six rounds. There will be someone that just goes, oh, he flew home. They see the recency average where he's still inside the top 15 for overall and they jump.
0: Mm, they remember the those process? big scores. That's, that's, and that's the thing with draft MJ, which makes it so fascinating, whether it's a single or a keeper is it only takes one person.
1: Yep. That values it only takes that
0: one. Point. It values him at that point. Again, I think for me, I'd be shocked if he was under 80, you know, if, if he regressed and he averaged about 80, yep. I feel like that's my worst case. So then again, he's in that D four range Yeah, for me. Um, Again, we clearly know what the up upside is if, yeah. if the, the dream comes together. But for me, I think realistic, um, I've probably got him in that 95, 96 sort of range, which is yeah. in that, again, it's a tier below the Lloyds and Whitfields and Lairds for mine. Um, he's probably competing with the Crisp and Stewarts, And I, again, I'd be surprised if many people picked Pick McDonald ahead of, of those guys just with yeah. the runs on the board again he, he's wrestling with in a single season the Maynards the Mills the Houstons the shorts again you mentioned Ridley Doherty, Haynes like I think the hard thing is for me to pick McDonald is I'm gonna feel pretty comfortable with that next crew yeah. you know personally I'm gonna sort of see I'm gonna to try to maybe yeah, go in the him. forward line or in the midfield and um, if someone takes them off my hands you know there's a Luke Ryan or you know, there's even a Jeremy Howe or a Liam Duggan even down. That's right. like, take I'm not going to feel too. too upset just because yeah. I don't think that there's going to be that 110. But again, there will be a coach in most leagues that says, I remember this guy last year and I'm, yeah. I want to be the one with him in my team. I think it's happening team. again.
1: That's it. It's yeah. all about the, the what you believe he, he can become. I, I don't think I'll end up drafting him for that very reason. Is I think there'll be somebody else in another line that I can get that'll give me more confidence in how I build my draft squad, that when it comes around to my next pick, I'll pick a defender that I think is probably, even if it was a run of defenders, a five or six off the board, at where he's going to go, which for me, I think someone will, will pick him at their D2. Um, now, if it's my D3 and he's still sitting there and I'm not running too deep heavies on a defenders, then yeah, I'll probably pop for him. But for, for me, I'm probably going to know I won't pick him in drafts this year, purely just because There's about 10 guys that are all in this bunch of that 85-ish potential that he sits in. And again, five, 10 points either side. That means for me, I go, you know what? I'd rather go and pick an Isaac Heaney up forward that I think is going to be a stronger up. Or I'll go and pick a Tim Taranto that I reckon I'm going to get a better outcome through that midfield. So that's why for me, I think I'll miss him. But someone will pick him as a D1. There'll be a draft where he goes D1.
0: And MJ, oh, he could prove us all wrong, and just this could just be the making of Luke McDonald. And he's we the one ten
1: defender, and he matches it with your
0: yeah. And, and you and you got him in the sixth round, and you're you're looking at a player that, on production, should have been in the first. So again, that's just me. And as I said, I the main thing I look at is what what's caused this? What caused yeah. this massive score? And as I, I just think it was perfect. So yeah. it's hard to repeat perfect, uh, yeah, especially much. in footy when it's just crazy, crazy. Changes left, right, and center, and um, that's why for me, I think he's back in that pack. But again, he's on the list. He's forty-eight for a reason he's because still he could, he could set you up. You could be off to the races if he comes out of the gate the way he finished the year, and he could, you know, prove me wrong, prove you wrong, prove Very so many so. people wrong. But as I said, this is there's so many players to pick. MJ, that I think you got to weigh it up. And for me, I'm going to take that step back, this is where I've sort of got him. And for what he's priced, makes him really tough. And as you said, in draft, probably means I miss him because there's probably someone who does have him a tier above me. Yeah. But what a fascinating player. And if we did this podcast in 12 months' time and we said that Luke McDonald was finished in the top three defenders and pushed Jake Lloyd yeah. and Whitfield and Laird for the top, I don't think we'd be surprised, put it that
1: way. Yeah, you, you wouldn't go, oh man, where'd that come from? Whereas 12 months ago, I said, Luke McDonald be in your 50 most relevant next year. I'd say, get stuffed. You, you, we know you what we'd say, we'd say
0: how did we not see the second half of the year? Why did we, how did we miss the second half of the year? He flew home. It mm-hmm. should have been obvious.
1: Exactly so, right. Well, there you go. The, That's where he is. We've got him at number 48 on our 50 most relevant. Do you agree or disagree? You can let us know. Reach out to us via social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Three players already revealed in the 50 most relevant. You can go and check out the articles on Jeremy Cameron, Tom Phillips, and Luke McDonald, all at CoachesPanel.tv. Or you can go back and listen to the episodes. They're available for you now. And at CoachesPanel.tv are all the links where you can get... Early access to these episodes by joining our Patreon supporter group. You can go and check that out. We would love for your support. Plenty of exclusive content in the preseason and during the year, but also you get these bad boys 24 hours ahead of the rest of the general public. So, three players down. That's where we're at so far. We've got a forward, a mid forward, and a defender. No midfielders yet. And to be honest, not going to be for quite a while. I'm heading back tomorrow into the forward line. Who is it? If you join our Patreon group, you'd already know. Chat to you tomorrow with another member of the coaches panel or the fantasy footy community. You'll just have to wait to find out who our special guest is tomorrow.